Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome to Blitzcast number 98. Big show on tap, but we start the show with the, the scouting combine, the recap. Uh, we did wide receivers, tight ends, and quarterbacks last week. So we're going to do the remaining positional groups this week. And let's start with the cornerbacks, Ed. Uh, it, was, it was a fun group to watch. Cornerbacks are always a group that, that runs pretty fast. What did you think of the overall talent in Indy? You know, I think this is a relatively decent cornerback class. Um, maybe not, I don't know, like some are saying like, uh, I think uh, Move the Sticks, uh, Daniel Jeremiah was saying that it's the second best group. I don't know if it's maybe the second best group. I'm not ready to say that, but it's definitely a good group. Um, there are definitely some guys who ran pretty well. So who did well? Let's talk about the winners. We're, we're going to focus on, on the winners on, on this week's show. Well, I'm going to say Jeff Akuda, not because he ran like a particularly great time. I think he ran where he was expected, but it kind of showed that he's not injured. Um, he ran a four eight four four eight, so um, I you know I was impressed with that. Um, you know C.J. Henderson did what he was supposed to do. He ran a four three nine. Um, I thought Javaris Davis did well. He did a he ran a four four zero. He's he's probably projected to be a slot corner at the next level. All right, I mean Akuda did well in the in the agility drills. I thought the broad jump, the vertical jump. He struggled in field drills. Uh, really, uh, obviously he had that that fall, but I saw some some tightness in his hips. I didn't think he changed directions that fluidly. Look, it's it's just a workout. I get it, but you know I, I thought Akuda ha- had a mixed bag uh, in terms of that running well, testing well. It just didn't feel like he he killed it with those field drills in particular. Uh, let's move on to the defensive linemen out there. It was some guys turned in really stellar times, uh, you know, running even lower than a 4-8, which I consider a, a great time out there. Who stood out for you um, from the defensive line group? Well, I thought, I thought Derek Brown, I thought he was going to do better. He only ran a 4-11. Um, but I guess, you know... 4-11? 4-11, I mean 5'11". 5'11". Yeah. Um, you know, Neville Gallimore had a 4.85. Um, he also had really good foot quickness in the drills. So um, this is a guy who, I mean, I could see being late first round. Um, you know, Rashard Lawrence had a 1.72 10-yard split, which is really important for a defensive lineman. Um, I thought Laurel Murchison looked athletic moving in space. Um you know, I thought uh, there was um, Khalil Davis who ran a four seven nine. I mean, that's pretty. That's pretty good for a defensive lineman. So there was. That's excellent. That's excellent. Yeah. I mean, that's an excellent time, even for an undersized defensive lineman. Uh, let's move on to the offensive side of the ball, Ed. Uh, let's talk about running backs. Um, obviously, there were a few running backs that helped themselves, but. Now let's start at the top with your guy, Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin. Yeah, he ran a four three nine. I thought he I thought he had a good combine. Um this is this is a guy who's definitely uh, you know, I think I think a you know, a first round talent. Um I think he should be the first running back off the board. I know some people are starting to disagree with that. Um that that's kind of moving. Um I thought Cam Makers did well in the footwork drill. Um I guess AJ Dillon did really well in the broad jump. Um well, A.J. Dillon killed it, Ed. For a guy that, that's 247 pounds, I mean, he ran a 4-5-3. I mean, this man is, is a wrecking ball. You don't want to tackle him. Kind of reminds you of Derrick Henry when, when he was coming out. I mean, Henry was like 250 pounds when he was coming out. He ran a 4-5-4. We know how, how that has turned out. So A.J. Dillon was explosive in terms of his vertical, his broad jump, and the 40-time is stellar for a guy that's almost 250 pounds. So Dylan helped himself more than any other running back out there, uh, as far as I'm concerned, because that's just, that's insane, you know, for a guy that big to to run that fast. 
Um, you know, obviously he's he's a pounding ball. Anybody else uh, stood out from uh, from from this group? Um, I guess I guess I thought I thought uh, JJ Taylor had some good route running, kind of out of the backfield. Um, I thought that was something I wanted to note. Um, other than that, I mean, I I guess I just something to note. It didn't really do anything. But J, J.K. Dobbins sat out the drills, so it sounds like he's you know in a in a good position with the draft. Well, a lot of top prospects set out and and decide to do everything at their pro day. I mean, I've already gotten used to that, to be honest with you. So Dobbins is putting all of his chips out there on his pro day at Ohio State, and he's got some questions to answer, especially in his 40. Uh, linebackers, Ed. Uh, linebackers were stellar. Um, yeah, this was this was a fast group. Linebackers are getting faster each and every year when we see them. Isaiah Simmons running a 4-3-9-40. That's insane. I mean, this guy, this guy ran better than a lot of the wide receivers and running backs out there. It's just we know how athletic he is, and obviously he killed it on on the vertical jump and the broad jump. Uh, but if it wasn't for Isaiah Simmons, Willie, I mean Willie Gay from Mississippi State, also a guy six foot two, two hundred and forty three pounds, ran a four four six, and the broad jump was eleven eleven feet and four inches. Again, an, another guy that just blew by if he didn't have some character concerns out there i mean this this guy would be up there kenneth murray ran a four five two and patrick queen uh four five zero but they sat out the drills um because they seemed like they they pulled something and uh decided to sit out and obviously they're gonna do the the rest of the agility drills and the field drills at their pro days but the linebacker group as a whole uh, showed a lot of speed and we just we see where the nfl is going towards more athletic guys more undersized guys and uh, it's just it was fun to watch that group to, to be honest with you offensive linemen but offensive linemen weren't too far behind uh, tristan wharfs from iowa a lot of people said what is he a guard is he a right tackle well you know what after the combine people are asking questions whether he could play left tackle because he's big you know, he's about 320 pounds, and he ran a 4.85. That's insane. That's like Lane Johnson-esque out there. And Lane Johnson has obviously been a stalwart at right tackle for the Eagles. Um, unbelievable. Just unbelievable. And he showed you know, he showed his explosive ability on the broad jump and the vertical jump. He set all types of records out there. Mikai Becton, his nickname is The Mountain from Louisville. Man, I mean, this guy is over 360 pounds. He ran a 5.1. That's, that's incredible. And, and like I said, all these players, obviously, they're they're testing. They're going to these facilities. They're focusing on the drills or the 40 times. But they're just big-time athletes out there, just everything that goes into it. Um, guys are faster. They're bigger. They're more athletic. Even the offensive linemen are just uh, running crazy out there. And I felt Ezra Cleveland from Boise State also had a very good combine. I think he solidified his spot in the first round as well. Uh, as far as safeties, you know, we didn't get a chance to see Grant Delpit perform. Obviously, he left it for his LSU Pro Day. But Xavier McKinney struggled. Um, a lot of people had McKinney as the number one safety going to the combine. And 4.63 was not a good time. I think he's a lot faster than that on tape, but he has to answer those questions once he uh, returns to Alabama's pro day. I think that's definitely something out there. Jeremy Chin, uh, 4.4640 for a 6'3", 221-pound safety. Uh, Kyle Duger, 4.5 flat for a 6'1", 217-pound safety. And we saw both of those guys at at the Senior Bowl. So... Uh, incredible Uh, again uh, the linebacking group the offensive lineman group um, the safeties disappointed a bit uh, just because we didn't get to see you know stellar times from the top group Um, any closing thoughts just uh, in general uh, any takeaways from from the combine ed I guess I guess it was a you know it was a combine where I don't I don't think there were a lot of records I mean there were records definitely broken but I don't think I don't think it was you know particularly like amazing you know you know like there was a huge jump from last year but I thought I thought it was kind of right in line with the, you know what we've seen in previous years. 
like I said, I was very impressed with the linebackers and the offensive linemen uh, times. Uh, and these Again, guys are getting bigger and faster and more athletic by the minute every year. All right, we'd like to welcome Giovanni Ritchie, the 2020 NFL Draft prospect and Western Michigan tight end. Uh, Giovanni, how's it going? Great. Uh, thank you for having me. When is the pro day, Giovanni? Let, let's get to it. When is the big day? Uh, March 19th. Uh, where are you currently training? Where are you currently training for the NFL draft? Where are you at? I'm in uh, Denver, Colorado, training at uh, Landau Performance. Uh, why did you choose that specific training facility? What was it about Landau Performance that, that stood out to you? Yeah, so um, originally uh, the agent, my agent, uh, highly recommended it. And as I began to speak with uh, Augie, the head trainer here, and uh, speaking with the people who I'd be working with, um, it was just clear that it was a great fit for me and what I was trying to accomplish. And, uh, you know, they have a great pedigree of um, what they do, and they're very good at it. So it was just an awesome fit and a great opportunity for me. So you've been there since the beginning of January before all the All-Star games, before the Combine. Tell our listeners about your workout regimen, what you go through day in and day out. Yeah, you know, we uh, kind of joke about it being kind of like Groundhog Day. Um, it's literally wake up, um, have breakfast, and we go to um, the field for on-the-field workout. So focusing on um, either 40 or 5 L drill, uh, just a specific thing each day. And um, after that, we'll do positional work. Um, on some days and we're going uh, Monday, Tuesday working out, Thursday, Friday working out and then Wednesday and Saturday is more of a recovery day but we're still doing some stuff but then um, so then after that, after the positional work uh, we'll get a break for lunch, come back to their actual um, training facility where we get our weight room session in um, just focusing on upper and lower body strength, uh, the bench press obviously so yeah, pretty much blocked out from about nine to three every day uh, what's the main focus right now obviously we're about 10 days away from your pro day what are you focusing on uh, the most yeah so at this point um a lot of guys in the program and me obviously with the coming up um a big focus now is kind of getting the body back and just fine-tuning everything uh last week was kind of uh i believe like our last real hard hit it um hit the ground running each day kind of week so now obviously we're still going to focus on each drill focus on just like fine details of everything but then get our bodies feeling good and ready to perform on pro day let's go now to your on-field stuff uh you know stuff and pads uh, what are your strengths uh, you know as a player yeah so i actually started my career at western michigan as a receiver and i uh transition to tight end going into my uh red shirt junior year and i was pretty undersized but i was uh able to perform decently well and then put on a little weight going into my senior year but that being said i'd say my strengths as a player would be obviously in the past game being a former receiver um, running routes being able to catch the ball and then also just kind of being around the game long enough i feel like my knowledge of the game um, has came up. I've been blessed with some amazing coaches throughout college who have taught me a lot about the game and how to play the game and understand the game. So I feel like that's a good strength that I'm able to utilize in the field. Um, I think as far as blocking goes, uh, definitely made strides in that department and um, working on that continuously because obviously you got to be able to do both. Tell us about your experience at the East West Shrine game. Yeah, so that was a great, great opportunity, great week. Um, being fortunate enough to be invited there. Um, it was just each day, the long days, you know, football and then meetings and meeting with scouts. And um, But as far as it goes, like being able to get around coaches in the NFL, learning plays that are run in the, ran in the NFL, um, competing with guys who are also, you know, doing everything they can to get an opportunity. Um, it was an amazing experience for me and definitely – you know, just very blessed and fortunate that I've been able to be down there. What was your biggest takeaway from that week, like at the Shrine game? Uh, you know, I'd say that uh, a lot of it is 
you know, being able to compete with um, guys who all over the spectrum from whether, you know, guys who are considered really, really good and prospects, you know, guys who may have been underrated, but at the same time, like, everyone was competing. Everyone's a great player. Obviously, you have to be able to be there. Being able to compete there just kind of, you know, helps you realize there there's a lot of guys gunning for the same job, a lot of guys who are very good players, and just making sure that you're doing everything that you can each and every day to uh, have that opportunity. So it's definitely it was a good motivating. Uh, it was a good uh, motivator for me going into training, just excited to get after it, an opportunity. And then um, also just, like I said, it's a great week to, week to kind of get a taste of what it is like to, you know, learn a very small uh, portion of like NFL playbook or, you know, getting around uh, coaches who have been doing it for a long time. So definitely some great takeaways for me. Kind of switching themes a little bit. Did did being a high school quarterback stunt you in the recruiting process? No, uh, no. So actually, um, I'd say being a high school quarterback and then transitioning to receiver actually really did help my recruiting. Um, just for a matter of, I mean, I I don't know if anything really affected it because when I did transition was the year that I really started to get recruited. So and that was my like junior year of high school. So I think it was just another tool that I was showing, you know, like I can I can do this if need be, um, be able to show the kind of athlete that I was. And um, Western was uh, willing to take an opportunity or a chance on me. So it was a great blessing. And I, was, I don't think in any way it hindered me or anything. Giovanni, what was the transition like going from wide receiver to tight end in college? Yeah, you know, for me, um, obviously I was a bigger wide receiver or else they wouldn't have suggested it. So going from, you know, blocking guys who you're used to being bigger than to guys who are way bigger than you as a former wide receiver, you know, that was definitely a transition. But as I, as I said, I had a great, uh, coach in college, uh, coach Kenny, who taught me a lot about the position, taught me a lot about how to execute in that position and, so biggest transition obviously would be coming in line and blocking defensive ends, inserting and uh, iso blocking on linebackers, you know, just doing things you wouldn't do as a receiver. And, you know, but it was something that I embraced and I was excited for. And, you know, I've always loved the physicality of the game. So that was the, really the thing that drew me in when I was younger. So that, that'd be the biggest transition, but uh, I was happy for it. Why did you choose Western Michigan out of high school? Yeah, you know, that's a very quick and easy answer. I was uh, – my dream uh, growing up was to play college ball. And after my junior year, Western was the uh, first school to really uh, offer me a scholarship at the time. And um, I was being recruited by the Mac schools, but no one really um, was offering anything. They wanted me to come to a camp first in the summer, that kind of thing. And Western had me up and were like, hey, we want to give you the opportunity to play here. And they and Coach Fleck was the coach at the time, and he's a very good recruiter. Sold me really quickly, and two days later, I committed. And I went to regret. I don't regret it at all. I'm very happy for my decision, and um, yeah, it was, a, it was a great uh, opportunity and career for me. In 2016, Giovanni, you guys went 13 and one with Coach Fleck in charge. Tell us about that magical season. Yeah, so that was you know. It helps when you have a receiver who ends up going number five in the draft and Corey Davis. And, you know, that team itself, though, I mean, that was that team itself was just something that I've really only been a part of once. And it was that year. It was just a bunch of guys who had the same goal and uh, really, truly cared about one another and playing the game and playing it for each other. And, it really did feel kind of magical uh, going through that season. And me, myself, I, I only played, you know, special teams that year. But just being a part of it and uh, that run, it was it was true. Something special and uh, something I'll definitely uh, remember the rest of my life. So going to sort of towards the end of your career, um, can you tell us about being uh, one of the finalists for the John Mackey Award? Yeah, so uh, for me – Playing tight end uh, last year was – so my first year, uh, I split time 
with another tight end and he's very good and um, learned a lot from him, especially in the run game. And then when I was able to get my opportunity to kind of play, you know, all, all four downs. And uh, like I said, my coach got me ready for it. And it's all credit to him because going from wide receiver to that, I mean, that, that can't just be, you know, chance. It's like this great coaching and, you know, our coaches having faith in me to be able to perform and make plays. And, um, you know, I was just, you know, excited to be able to have that opportunity. And um, it was, you know, I was too concerned about any, any awards or anything more just wanted to, we wanted to go out winning a championship. Unfortunately that didn't happen, but you know, I feel like uh, our team did a lot to get into a position where we could have. So um, that's a great honor and I'm very thankful for it. Um, but at the end of the day, just, you know, happy to play the game and happy to uh, have this opportunity now. So so stepping out to kind of your off-the-field life, um, what role do academics play in your life? Tell me about being an all-MAC academic. Yeah, you know, and that's wonderful honor, too. You know, uh, my coaches all throughout my career uh, would emphasize the importance of, you know, getting your degree and the importance of life after football. And it was something – that I definitely understood and didn't want to take for granted. And, you know, I was thankful enough to graduate and even be able to start my master's program. Um, putting that on hold now, but eventually they come back to it. But, um, you know, so I played a big role. It's uh, an opportunity that I didn't want to squander, and I was very thankful for it. And just wanted to make sure that um, gave it my all and be able to graduate and all that. Uh, Giovanni, I'm a big fan of the Mac. I watch a lot of games, and I want to find out what can we expect from Western Michigan next season. Next season, um, I'll tell you that we did graduate a lot of players, but we have so many young, exciting players uh, who got you know a taste of the field last year or even the year before. You know, um, I'm excited. I'm very excited to see what they can do. You know some guys on offense that uh, really exciting, like Sean Tyler, the running back. He's, he's a very, very good player and explosive and makes plays and he's going to get his shot. And that's going to be really fun to watch. And then um, Caleb Bell will be a quarterback. He got a little taste a couple of years ago. Um, that's starting quarterback as a freshman. So it'll be fun to see his growth and uh, what all they do. But as a team, you know, I'm, a, I'm personally very excited to see what they do and, um, I know they have high hopes for the season, and um, it's going to be it's going to be exciting to watch. We want to thank uh, Giovanni Ritchie, the the tight end from Western Michigan, for joining us, and we're going to get to previewing the 2020 tight end class. And it's a very average group. We we don't have any uh, T.J. Hawkinsons in this group. We don't have any Noah Fants and. There's not a single tight end in this draft that's going to go in the first round. But there's some intriguing pieces, and there's some intriguing guys that will go on day two. And we've got some developmental type of guys on day three as well. So let's start with your list. We're going to keep it to top five, and uh, let's start with the number five tight end on the board. Well, um, I would say number five is uh, Cole Komet uh, from Notre Dame. Um, I think he's you know good at breaking tackles after the catch, good pass catcher, and he moves to catch the ball. Um, you know, he's a guy who can who can line up you know in line as an H back in the slot. Um, I guess the things that I think he needs to work on and kind of why I put him fifth is he needs to square better as a run blocker, and I think his fumbles are uh, something he needs to work on. So other than those two areas, I think I think this is a solid prospect. Solid day two prospect. Well, he, he definitely has a lot of upside. He he broke out as a junior, had 43 receptions for 515 yards, and he had that big game against Georgia to open up the season that kind of catapulted him out there. And he had a big combine, and we know that kind of helps prospects because he showed that he's athletic, he's got good speed, He's got a huge catching radius. I think the NFL loves him. I wouldn't be surprised that Cole Komet would be the first tight end to to go off the board. I just 
I get the feeling that that's, some team is going to pull the trigger in the top 50, and he will be the first guy to, to go. Uh, who is the next guy on the board? Well, I have Adam Troutman uh, from Dayton, who you know really looks good in his Dayton film, but um, you know I think I think is I think is a bit overrated. I mean, some people like some people had him as like the ninth overall prospect and stuff like that. So I think that's a little bit taking it a little bit too far. Um, I think he's a tall target. You know, the, definitely the frame is something to be impressed with. Um, you know, he was used as a wide receiver. Um, I think he's an active blocker. I think he can be a mauler as a run blocker. Um, the thing I, I don't like about him is I don't think he's a great route runner, and I think that might hurt him in the passing game. Um, and obviously, you know, for a guy who's expected to go day two, um, you know, some people are even talking about day one. Um, you know, I, I, I would expect to be a better pass catcher. I mean, you can't just be a blocking tight end to be a day one tight end. Ouch. You're just making him seem like, uh, you know, he's a blocking guy, but he's a good receiving tight end, Ed. I mean, I think you're you're selling him short. You know, for me, um, I respect that. Uh, for me, he, he checks all the boxes as a tight end. He's not spectacular in any one area, but he's solid in, in all of them. And I think he's worked on his game. I saw a big improvement, big jump from his junior, his senior year. And um, I saw that at the Senior Bowl as well. He competed against those guys, and he really stood out from the tight end position. I would say he helped himself more than any other tight end uh, during that week. And that says a lot to me. I want to see how a small school guy will adapt and how he will bring his A game against the, the best seniors in, in the nation. And he did that. Troutman didn't get lost. He, he stood out. And that, that's big. Showed that he can play and excel against the big boys. So Troutman, for me, is the number one guy. But I, I respect Ed for putting him at number four, doubting the, the small school players. He reminds me of Dallas Goddard. Uh, when he came out. I think Goddard caught more passes. Uh, they featured him more at South Dakota. Um, but um, I think Troutman can do the same. I'm not saying he's going to be the next, you know, uh, big tight end, like the next Travis Kelsey or something like that. But I think he's going to be a good tight end in this league. So we'll go on to number three. Um, so I have uh, Hunter Bryant, uh, tight end from Washington. Um, what I like about him is I think he has good speed running his routes. Um, I think he's a decent yards after catch guy. You know, this is definitely a guy who can help you in the passing game. Um, you know, I don't love him as a run blocker. Um, I think he needs to keep his balance better in open field blocking. And I think he needs to have better blocking form. But I mean, as, as a pass catcher, this is a receipt. This is a guy I like. Does he remind you of uh, Gerald Everett when he came out a couple of years ago? I mean, the Rams chose him in the second round. So obviously they liked him. They've got a similar body type, and they were obviously very accomplished pass-catching tight ends coming out of college. Yeah, I, I guess uh, you know that that sort of tight end class was sort of far above. Um, I, I would say Gerald Everett probably had better t- better tape than uh, Hunter Bryant, but Hunter Bryant probably played in a better conference than Gerald Everett. So I guess that would be how I would distinguish the two. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. I just, you know, I asked the question. The only thing is he has durability concerns. I mean, you look at his body type, he's not the biggest guy out there. He looks more at, as a big wide receiver or an H-back. And uh, he missed time in 2017 and 2018. But I was glad that he got back on the field in 2019. Obviously was healthy and put his uh, best season together at Washington. All right, so we'll go on to number two. Um, I have Bryson Hopkins, tight end from Purdue. Um, I would say, you know, he's a natural pass catcher, good at sustaining blocks in the run game, run, ran a lot of underneath routes. Um, I think I think he needed to be used more in Purdue's offense. Um, I would say he's not a huge playmaker in the pass game, but I think he I think he's a very solid prospect. Well, he was underutilized at Purdue, but my only question mark is uh, with Hopkins, and it's a huge one, he's got questionable hands. He had issues with drops as a junior, and there were a lot more on them uh, on tape, and he had the same problems as a senior. I don't get it. He's got big hands, but he's got to improve that technique. Just sometimes he tries to, you know, not look at the football, his concentration. He's got to improve that concentration level a little bit. Issues with drops. Look, as a tight end, as a wide receiver, you have to be able to catch the ball. And um, too many, 
too many of them hit the ground. But his dad was a Pro Bowl player in the NFL for the Oilers and the Titans. Uh, he was the offensive lineman. His name was Brad Hopkins. Uh, he was he played in the 1990s, and so Bryson Hopkins is following in in his dad's footsteps. So let's go with the number one guy, Ed. Um, my number one guy is Harrison Bryan from Florida Atlantic. Yeah, not the best conference, but you know, guy who's a good blocker, can pass catch, decent yards after catch guy. Um, you know, guy who can line up in the slot, H back in line. Um, I, I guess what I like about him is he can go out and get the intermediate to long pass, so he can kind of stretch out. You know, this can be more of a, you know, an aggressive offensive scheme that he could fit into. Um, so he's my number one, and he, I think I think he's a little underrated too. Yeah, he had a good week at the Senior Bowl as well, and I think he showed a lot of folks that he can block as well, uh, because you know, people were talking about him as a as a receiving tight end coming out of Florida Atlantic, but he showed a lot of effort as a blocker during the Senior Bowl week, and he won the John Mackey Award as the best tight end in the nation last year as a senior. So that that says a lot, and I know that Lane Kiffin tried to get him the ball. He was he was his favorite target right there in, in the passing game. Uh, let's uh, so that's your top five. Uh, let's get to your most overrated prospect in this tight end class. Well, I, I'm not a really a big fan of Mitchell Wilcox from South Florida. I think he needs to get stronger as a blocker. I didn't think he looked very good in combine drills. Um, not as good on fifty fifty balls. Um, you know, there, there. I mean, there's a few things I like about him. I think he has okay technique as a blocker. I think he has good running after the catch ability and has good separation speed for a tight end. But this is this is a guy that's you know sort of middle of the pack, and I think he's still a little overrated. I'm gonna go with Albert O, the the big Albert O from Missouri. Uh, a lot of people are excited because he ran a four four nine, but I just don't see that speed uh, on tape. And the, I've got worries about his route running ability. He doesn't block well for being a big guy. He's had durability concerns throughout his college career. Never had that, that breakout season. I think a lot of people, including myself, got excited about him because I saw him come in as a freshman, and he played well. And then you expect that guy to take the next step, and he never did. Something. I mean, injury slowed him down, but he never put a consistent season together even though he had drew lock throwing to him for three seasons before he left so albert o to me is is the most overrated prospect in in this tight end class and he's getting pushed up right now in the media uh because hey he had such a big combine out there let's go with the most underrated guy ed i like this kid uh from arkansas cheyenne o'grady um i think he's a decent blocker i think he ran some pretty simple routes but um, you know, he gets separation with his speed, has decent hands. I mean, if they can maybe teach this guy how to route run, I mean, he could be, a, I think he could actually be a starter in the NFL. Yeah, the only thing is he's got character concerns. Uh, he he got kicked out from Arkansas in November. He had issues with discipline out there. So he's got some baggage. As far as what he brings on the football field, I agree with you. He flashes and He's got some things uh, from a physical standpoint, but I'm worried about him off the field once you start digging deeper. You know, I like Thaddeus Moss, uh, Randy Moss's son. Uh, I thought he had the best hands in this draft. He only had one dro- drop as a junior. Um, obviously, he was a he became a bigger part of LSU's offense. Uh, they tried to look for him in the middle of the field. He's more of a short area wide receiver. Not a great route runner. He's not quick, but it's unfortunate that he, uh, at the combine, it was discovered that he needs foot surgery. He failed his physical, and it seems like uh, he's gonna he's gonna have to repair that. And uh, I doubt that he's gonna be ready um, even before the draft to to work out for some team. But Moss was an intriguing guy before that because again, the hands. Um, you know, his dad was a playmaker, but he certainly has the most reliable hands out of this tight end class how about a sleeper red uh we'll end on that note yeah i mean i i like i like this guy eli wolf from georgia um i don't really know why as much he's being you know mocked so late um i think he's a violent blocker i think he was a capable pass catcher i think he has decent route running ability um 
I think he does need some coaching on his open field blocking. Um, I think maybe moving as a blocker, he needs a little help. But uh, overall, I think this is definitely a guy who you know has the raw tools and has the ability to um, be a decent tight end in the league. You know, maybe a number two or something like that. All right, that that's a good name. And Eli Wolf was uh, at the Shrine Game in in St. Pete in January. Um, I'm going to go with Devin Asiasi from UCLA. Uh, he is a guy that transferred from Michigan, had his breakout season as a junior at UCLA, kind of came out of nowhere, and uh, decided to declare for the NFL draft. He has good speed. He, he knows how to find a soft spot in zone coverage. He's quick in and out of his breaks. He can create separation. I think he's an above-average route runner. And, you know, some people, a lot of people knock his blocking ability, and I think he's got a ways to go in that. But he blocked his tail off against Bradley Anay uh, when they matched up against, when the UCLA played against Utah. Showed great tenacity and physicality. I mean, he took on that challenge to, to block one of the better uh, edge rushers in this uh, senior class out there. So Devin Asiasi from UCLA. I wouldn't have a problem spending a day three pick on him, whether it's you know in the fifth or the sixth round. I think there's a lot of ability to to develop. Uh, let's move on to the safety class, Ed. We decided to talk about the tight ends and and also combine that with uh, the safety class. And we've got a top ten list from you, so let, let's start with number ten. Well, I think I think you're going to be a little surprised that I have this guy this far back, but uh, I have Antoine Winfield. Uh, Safety out of Minnesota. Um, this is definitely a guy who's a hard hitter, and I know teams really value that. I, I, I think that you know that has a psychological effect. But I mean, I, I like I like him to kind of execute a strategy more. Um, so I, I guess maybe it's a little bit preference, but um, you know I still put him in the top ten. I think he has decent instincts. I think he's a good run supporter. Um, I, I think you know a few things he needs to work on is I think he's he needs to get off blocks better. Um, he wasn't asked to cover in the slot a lot. Um, you know, I think he's more of a free safety that should be left in the zone. Um, and I also thought he was more of a hard hitter than a form tackler. I didn't see him as much on tape, you know, sort of making these, uh, you know, wrap up tackles. Um, I, I, I saw him kind of, you know, the kind of guy who would knock the, knock the socks off, of, <laughs> you know, knock a, knock a guy out, but definitely not, you know, just your regular form tackle. So, um. That's what I'm kind of seeing from Winfield from Minnesota. Interesting, interesting. A lot of people obviously are higher on him. He ran a 4.46 at the combine. Um, he's got good speed, and he shows that on tape. My only worry is that he's small, Ed. Uh, he's about 5'9", and uh, too small for a safety, uh, even nowadays. And uh, it's unfortunate. But his father played in the NFL. Look, his father played for the Minnesota Vikings at corner, so he's got those NFL bloodlines again, which is so important. Uh, this guy uh, emerged as a freshman at Minnesota and then missed, I think he played in only eight games in 2017 and 2018. So, um, And I was glad to see him back on the field in 2019. So size and durability concerns are my main pet peeves with him. But, man, he's got great ball skills, Ed. And he, he reminds me of his dad. He's just he's able to go up and get the ball. He's athletic, and he's got good coverage ability in the deep half. I mean, that's, that's what they asked him to play at Minnesota for the most part. And he's got good instincts. Um, I thought he was a good wrap-up tackler from what I've seen because he had over 90-plus tackles in the back end. That's a lot for, for a college safety. So... I'm a lot higher on Winfield than you are. I actually have him in my top three. I think he's my number three safety on the board. So let's continue with the rest of your guys. Well, number nine, I got Terrell Burgess from uh, Utah. Um, he's a guy who played near the line of scrimmage, can stay with tight ends in coverage, um, good tackler, average instincts. Um, I guess he's not as uh, physical as a blitzer. Um, maybe that was one thing. You know, I, I like my strong safeties to kind of help you in the – pass rush game a little bit but I, I don't think that's a huge thing um but yeah I think I think this is definitely a solid safety and you know I, I think he'll probably go in the mid rounds and I, I mean I, I would be happy with him as a mid-round pick I actually have him as a corner uh he's a corner in my rankings because obviously he could play all over the field he's very versatile and I like those Utah defenders I mean they bring a lot to the table 
So we'll go on to uh, number eight. Um, so we got Xavier McKinney, uh, safety out of Wow, wow, wow. Wait, 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 wait. I was I was looking forward to this, Ed. Uh, I saw your uh, your safety board, the safety notes that you sent me. And let's explain this, Ed, because obviously, I mean, you've, you've got a right to your opinion. And there's no question about it. But you have him at number eight. Most folks had Xavier McKinney going into the combine as the number one safety or at least number two. So explain your thinking here before we get to the strengths and the positives. Let's talk about what what is wrong with McKinney. Well, I mean, he was, he was asked to be a strong safety at Alabama, and I, I really don't like his uh, – I don't like, I don't think he was much of a playmaker against the run. Um, I think he's a very average tackler. Um, I like my safeties to be able to tackle. Um, I agree with that. I agree with that completely. I mean, a lot of people uh, bash Grant Delpit for not being able for those missed tackles, but McKinney misses a lot of tackles as well. I agree with that. Um you know, I think I think the reason why people like him is I think he's you know sort of that deep zone free. Sa- I mean, he has to play free safety at the next level, and he's more that okay. more that deep. We're projecting. Okay, we're projecting him as a free safety. We're saying that Alabama had him all wrong near the line of scrimmage. He even played linebacker a little bit in, in some games out there. They lined them up there. So what what else is wrong with him besides uh, not being such a good tackler? Well, just trying to dig deeper, just trying I, to dig I, deeper I, and, and find out, you know, what's wrong. I mean, it's you've got Delpit a lot higher and a lot of people are going to nitpick and say, hey, Delpit can't tackle to save his life. So l- let's dig deeper, Ed. What, what makes McKinney not such a good player? What are you what are you worried about? Well, I just I, I, I really think he, he played in a good defense and I don't I don't think he really dominated the way like a first round pick should. I, okay. I mean that's that, that's that's really like I mean I th- I see him as a guy who who can help you in the passing game you know good instincts in the deep zone can cover in the slot but I don't I don't see I don't see him as this great um, you know I I don't see him as like a two way I mean I, at least the number one thing is, is I want to see him be able to sort of be that two way safety you know have great instincts I think he I think he has very average instincts I just. I, I, it's it's not that I don't like him. I have him in my top ten. It's just that I don't think he's anything special. Well, a number eight safety usually says that's like a fourth or a fifth round guy. I mean, let, let's be fair because, I mean, a lot of people have him as a first round pick. If you put him on the list as the eighth best safety, I mean, that's probably where he's going to go because he, he's a day three guy. And uh, that's that's my only thing. You know, I'll defend McKinney a little bit because I do think that when you watch him, there, he is a playmaker. When you ask him to make that sack on third down, he goes and gets it. When you ask him to force a fumble, and he had a few of those during the, his junior season out there, he did that. And I felt like when he was put in position to make plays, he was able to make them. So that's my definition of a safety. If you put in position to make a play and you make it. And I felt like he did quite a bit of that last year. Um, obviously, he ran a 4-6-3. And a lot of people are going to go back and say, hey, that's pretty slow for, for a starting safety out there. But I felt like he's a lot better than you give him credit for. But I understand your criticism of him as far as you know tackling and, and instincts out there. That's it's fair. He's no Landon Collins. He's no Ha Ha Clinton Dix. And those players came out of that Alabama's defense, and they were uh, Landon Collins was actually an early second round pick. Ha Ha Clinton Dix was a first round pick. So we can't put McKinney along with those two great safeties. Um, but I think you're underselling him a little bit. Let's continue with with the rest of the list. Well, another another one that I think is a little overrated, and it's more when I kind of looked back and thought about all the other safeties and what I can get out of other safeties is Ashton Davis from uh, California. I mean, he's he's another free safety type. I think he's very average instincts. You know, plays a lot of deep safety. You know, sure tackler. I think he's very okay in run support. I think he needs to pay tighter man coverage in the slot. Um, you know, he was supposed to be a combine warrior, and he only did the bench press. So. 
Um, you know, there's a, there's there's just I'm just not really as impressed with Ashton Davis. Yeah, there's some concerns with him because he missed the Senior Bowl as well with uh, unspecified injury. So that injury has been haunting him out here since the season ended. He wasn't able to work out and play at the Senior Bowl, and obviously at the at the Combine he wasn't able to do the agility drills or the forty. That's concerning. Um, hopefully he'll be able to uh, get it together for for Cal's pro day. Yeah, so um, let's let's go on to number six. I have uh, Kyle Duggar, um, safety from Lenore Ryan. Um, this is another guy that I think is mocked as kind of a day two guy, and I think he very much could go day two. Um, he did do, he did do really well at at the at the you know D two level. I thought he covered in the slot well. I think he had good instincts, can tackle, is a good run defender. Um, you know, definitely more the free safety type, but. I guess I guess the only question is is that he did it at the day two level and he did he did show some things at the senior bowl, um, but I, I guess you know to to really be in my to be in my uh, top five you got you gotta you gotta do it against the big guys especially in the safety class. I love it you know I I'm always pumping up the small school guys because I root for them. Ed always likes to to play it cool and be conservative. Uh, with, with the small school players out there. All right, uh, let's move on to your top five. All right, well, uh, number five, I got Jeremy Chin, uh, safety from Southern Illinois. Um, this is a guy I interviewed, uh, played a lot of deep safety, good open field tackler, good instincts. Um, he kind of played a soft man coverage, but it sounded like, it seemed like it was kind of like a, a design, you know, kind of like a not, you know, don't, don't get beat deep type of thing. I think he's a physical defender. I think, I think that's something that he acknowledged in his interview. And I think that's, that's something that he brings to the table is he's got that sort of physicality to his game. Um, this is a player, you know, who also did well at the combine. I mean, this is a guy who had a good combine and, um, you know, he, he, he did, he did well at the senior bowl. So he checks a lot of boxes for me. He lit up the combine. I mean, 41 inches on the vertical. The broad jump was incredible, 4, 4, 5, 40. And he's got long arms and a huge frame, 6'3", 221. And he's a reliable tackler. Uh, when he was at Southern Illinois, I mean, he was, he was a very good tackler out there. So don't have a problem with that. I mean, he, is, he deserves it to be in the top five. So go go on to number four. Um, this will probably surprise you a little bit. I like this uh, Kaliki Hudson guy from uh, you know Michigan. Um, I I really like that he can cover tight ends. Um, I think that's so valuable. I mean, if you can just have one guy on your team who can cover tight ends, that helps you a lot. Um, he played near the line of scrimmage, strong safety type, um, good run defender, good instincts. Um, so I. You know, I I know like a lot of people aren't rating him as high, but I think I think he checks a lot of boxes and he fits this kind of this modern NFL scheme. All right, all right, sounds good. I mean, let's let's continue. A lot of people obviously there people are split on Hudson. Some people have him as a safety. Some people have him as a linebacker, and I think he's that versatile defender that you just you figure where do you put him? I I think it depends on the scheme. He can play strong safety. Or he can play that, you know, linebacker in a four-three. I think, you know, it's good to have those players that they can play different positions. Yeah. So number three, uh, I I really like this player. It's J.R. Reed from Georgia. I mean, some people have him high, but not everyone has him high for sure. Um, things I like about him, I think he's a good tackler. I think he's pretty average instincts. Uh, more of a s- s- deep safety. He's good at getting off blocks. He's a capable blitzer. Um, good range as a safety, and he's good in soft and in, in slot coverage. So, um, guy who checks a lot of boxes um, for me, and I think I think he's a I think he's one of the I think he might be my favorite uh, free safety, um, other than one other guy who I'm going to talk about next. Well, he's Jake Reed's son, and Jake Reed was a wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings when they had Chris Carter and Randy Moss. He was that third guy in that offense when they went 15 and one when Brian Billick was the offensive coordinator there. So, again, NFL bloodlines. And he started his career, I think, at Tulsa. And then after his first season, he transferred to Georgia. And that's where he's been the past four years. I was actually surprised that J.R. Reed didn't get an all-star invitation. He wasn't at the Senior Bowl. He wasn't at the Shrine Game. He wasn't at NFL PA Bowl. I, I don't understand that because 
I mean, either he declined it, the other All-Star games, well, if he didn't get to the Senior Bowl, uh, I, I just don't get it. Uh, the guy has been a competitive, good player at Georgia the past couple of years. So that's going to be interesting to, to keep an eye on. And he had a pretty good combine as well. Yeah. So um, go on to number two. I got Jalen Elliott, uh, safety from Notre Dame. Um, I, I just I like this guy as a free safety. Good open field tackler, good instincts, good run defender, uh, plays with some physicality. Uh, played the deep safety in Notre Dame system. I think this is a very underrated guy, and um, this would probably be the guy I would take if I was looking for a free safety in this draft. Kind of a mixed bag with him. Didn't have a good senior year, but still got invited to the senior bowl because he was, he was a highly thought after guy after his junior season. He was rated high. He ran a 4.8, and that's brutal for a safety. I mean, you see better speed than that on film. I hope he bounces back at his pro day because his three cone was a 6.87. That's really good for a big safety. So Jalen Elliott is kind of an interesting name because he did well at the Senior Bowl, and you see those flashes on film, but I actually thought that he had a better junior year than senior year. So I'm a little bit surprised that he's he's this high for you. So I guess your number one man is uh, the LSU safety. Yeah, I got Grant Delpit. And I understand he probably had a little bit of a down uh, last year at, at LSU. But, you know, he, he really had a great career at LSU overall. Um, things that I see from him, I think he actually has good tackling technique. Um, he has elite instincts, great range as a safety, great in run defense. Um, I... Uh, I think he functions in the slot and coverage, and I think he can tackle in the deep zone. So, um, this is—I I think this is the best safety in this draft, and I think he's worth a top ten pick. And um, I—I I, I actually—I'm a little curious as to why some people think he's overrated. I—I don't—I don't see the tackling problems. Well, he did have tackling problems uh, throughout his career. This isn't a new thing for him. As a sophomore, he made a lot of plays in the back end. And um, he still had missed tackles. This year, he had a lot of missed tackles, Ed. A lot. And um, I I think there are a few games that were just on national TV, big games, where he was just sloppy with his technique out there and just kept compiling it. Obviously, he's got great range. He's versatile. He's got great instincts. He's got the size. He's got good speed. But he wasn't the best defensive back even on his... LSU team during his junior year let's be let's be frank about that and let's be fair the missed tackles are a problem and that's something that can be corrected um obviously you have McKinney at number eight and you put Delpit at number one when you compare them Delpit is more physical but both guys miss tackles on film just to be fair I also have Delpit as my number one safety and I feel like for a team like the Dallas Cowboys at 17 there's no way they can they can miss on this guy. I mean, he's a good kid. He is a leader. Um, and obviously, he can do a lot in, in terms of pass coverage in the back end. I think he should be wearing that star if there's not going to be a team that, that drafts him higher. I think the Cowboys should definitely bounce on him. Delpit is still a good player, very underrated, but he is going to slide like Derwin James slid in his draft a few years back, and somebody is going to get a big-time play. Ed, uh, let's get to your most overrated safety in this entire draft. Well, I, th- I think it's no surprise after what I said about it, Xavier McKinney being you know overrated and putting him number eight that he's the, my most overrated. Um, I, I also would put Ashton Davis in that category too. How about underrated, Ed? Uh, obviously underrated safeties who, who do you believe is the most underrated safety in this draft class i think Jalen elliott from notre dame i already talked about it i like his instincts good run defender good open field tackler i think he plays with some physicality um played deep safety in notre dame system i th- i think he's i think he's my most overrated and I, I i underrated and i think uh the other underrated i have is jr reed from georgia and we talked about a good tackler you know more of a deep safety good at getting off blocks capable blitzer good range good in slot coverage so um this is this is another guy i like how about sleeper uh, give me a, a sleeper or two that we should be keeping an eye on at the safety position 
I like this kid Geno Stone from uh, Iowa. You know, maybe not my favorite guy, but you know, good instincts, um, more of a free safety type, um, great ball skills. He's sneaky as a playmaker. Um, you know, kind of, kind of. Um, I mean, there's there's some things you know to worry about. I mean, he needs better range. He needs to get off blocks better. But um, you know, guy, a guy who can maybe you know come in and be a backup and maybe make a play for you. Um, this is this is this is kind of a, a sneaky pick, Geno Stone from uh, Iowa. I'm actually surprised you didn't put him in the top ten because this guy is a solid player. He's very instinctive. He's not the fastest guy out there, and he's probably will function better in, in his own defense. But Geno Stone is is a very underrated player uh, who should be thought of higher in media circles out there. And the Iowa DBs have had success at the NFL level. Micah Hyde, the safety, Desmond King. Uh, we had Amani Hooker drafted last year by the Titans. So DBs, and especially safeties, have had success at, at the NFL level. And Geno Stone uh, might be the, the next one in line. So I'm glad you, you brought him up because that's, that's a solid name out there. Speaking of safeties, Ed, uh, let's get to our safety who is waiting on the phone. Uh, we want to welcome our guest to the show, 2020 NFL Draft Prospect and Illinois State Safety, Luther Kirk. Luther, how are you? I'm doing really good, really good. So, obviously, you told us off the air that you're going to be doing Northwestern's Pro Day next week, and then you've got uh, Illinois State Pro Day on March 18th as well. Tell us about the preparation for, for those big days. Yes, sir, man. Just, uh... Still at Illinois State uh, at the school here, just working out here. Um, just been, you know, just been grinding, man. Just been working my hardest, you know. Got something to prove when I get there to both of those pro days. So just been trying to improve every day. So what do you want to do? With, what do you want to show the scouts during your pro day drills? Yeah, just uh, obviously I want to put up good numbers, but, you know, just to really showcase the speed that I have, you know. I put on some weight for you know, a little bit better. Um like still a little thicker than I am, and just show them, you know, that I got the, you know, the technique, you know, that deserves to be in the NFL, you know, and the speed that can, that I can fly with anybody out there. Tell us about the East-West Shrine Game experience. Oh man, it, it was amazing. Yeah, um, you know, football aspect was amazing. Just, um, but not even that, you know, just going out there and you know visiting the hospital and everything, just all the little activities we had were. Just absolutely amazing. But, yeah, man, being there and just competing with them, some of the top talent in the country was, you know, getting to see those guys out there, was, it was really good. You know, it was a great moment. And learning from the NFL coaches as well, you know, got to sit in the mean room, you know, learn some very terminology that you don't really hear, you know, maybe in a college uh, setting and just pick up on some of that knowledge. What was it like to win defensive MVP? <laughs> man, it was crazy. Um, you know, being at the level, you know, it's not that much, you know, cameras and everything, it all was around, but after that happened, man, it was just, it was really cool, man, it was a blessing, and I, I did not really think it was coming, but, you know, I went out there, made the most of my opportunity, and got it. To your game, um, what are your strengths? Man, I think I, um, for sure my speed, um, yeah, I got good speed when I'm back there in the middle of the field, um, I think I can... You know, run with anybody out there. Um, but also, you know, not only that, you know, I have strength as well. I'm a, I'm a really strong kid. And, and uh, I'm afraid to get down there in the box and go to get my nose down up in there. Uh, critique yourself, Luther. What do you think you need to improve yeah. upon between now and the NFL draft? What are some of those things that you're working on? For sure. Uh, just, you know, my footwork, man, uh, you know, yeah, I have my speed, you know, I like around here, but, you know, being in that safety spot, I'm kind of back there, but, you know, I think I'm a pretty versatile player, so, you know, I really just want to improve on my man game to see, you know, my man technique can get better and improve on, um, just so that I can be more viable uh, in any any time that I need to get called on. What made you choose Illinois State out of high school? I think I was, you know, it's kind of rough for me getting recruited. Um, I was playing quarterback in high school, Um so, I, and I was getting recruited as a DB for the most part. You know, I was trying to get recruited as a DB everywhere. But, yeah, I was playing quarterback. Didn't have that many uh, big looks coming in. Um, but I still had some, you know, I still had, some, still, uh, still had uh, a few offers in. 
but you know just seeing their success that they were having um you know i had a, a former teammate that actually we played together in high school and he went there you know he was telling me how he felt about it and so i already had like you know an at-home connection there um man that was recruiting me keenan hall i'm mean, running back coach uh he's from dallas so you know there's a lot of connections you know as far as distance was it wasn't that bad being from texas um but you know had a lot of success you know and this would be part of a winning program is what I want to be part of. Why were you not part of the football program in 2017? Yes, sir. Uh, I was going through a lot around the time, um, and a lot of adversity, probably the most adverse situation that I had going on um, in my life that I've ever faced, which wasn't really all mentally there, I guess you could say. Um, not confidence, man. Really, that makes sense. It's going through a rough time. That's a rough thing going on. And... It just got a lot to me. I took a step back. Still staying in school here. Just took a step back from the football team. And kind of started to get my mind right, get my mental a little better. Um, Same therapy and everything. Get myself more confident. An opportunity to do to get back in the team. And we'll from there. Can you talk to us about your leadership and how you were a team captain? Yes, sir. Um, yeah, man. Just um, like, you know, like I said, t- taking a step back, you know, just getting my mental right. Uh, I think it helped a lot. And I came back on the team, you know. They loved uh, me as a team captain following in, and I think I just tried to, uh, you know, just try to lead by example, you know, be vocal, be be supportive, be positive, you know, and try to get the most out of my brothers, you know, that I was playing with, you know, and create that, you know, create that brotherhood, you know, because, you know, it's a family, you know, you're doing, at the end of the day, you know, it's nothing but y'all in that locker room. You only have your, you only have your brothers with you. I think that's just important to really, you know, create that brotherhood. Well, overcoming adversity, Luther, is, is going to help you in the NFL as you try to get yeah. on the roster. Obviously, since you've been a part of it, it's, you know, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be all right. Uh, what's, as you look back on your career, what was the highlight of it as you look back on your, on your time at Illinois State? Man, just, um, I say this past season, like just just you know coming back on the team and you know us not having the this year, um, the year before the 18th season, um, and just you know just seeing them, just seeing how everything just growed and and the program really took you know it just matured. I felt like a little bit. We had a lot of young people on the team, you know, my junior season, and just just watching everything start to unfold to you know having our great season. You know, we fell short obviously, but. It, it was it was great to see for sure. Uh, talk about that playoff game, Luther. That that hard playoff loss against North Dakota State, the eventual champion in the quarterfinal game, nine to three. I'm sure. I mean, if yeah. you if you could go back, you would you would love to score at least one touchdown against them and and move on. Man, most definitely. Uh, yeah, I, it, it'll give me here and there. You know, it'll pop up in my head and I remember. It, but man, yeah, that was. Man, it, it hurts. <laughs> but, you know, it's in the past, man, obviously. Uh, and, yeah, we feel a short number, you know, just to go in there into that Fargo Dome and, you know, to hold those boys to, you know, not even scoring a touchdown. And, you know, just that long battle, you know, I don't think anybody expected it. I, I don't think not a single person expected it, honestly. But, uh, but man, we knew we can go in there and play with those boys, obviously. And so short, man, neither one. But, you know, those dudes are there. Uh, give us a give us a preview, Luther. What can we expect from Illinois State next year? Listen, I think you know people are going to say you know we, we you know we lost James. Obviously, you know it's not me back there, but I promise you, I didn't even get an interception this year. And the rest of the DBs back there, they wasn't handling business. And a lot of people returning, and you know we'll have a lot of people back helping on our offense and uh, stuff, man. I think. You know, a lot of our best friends will be really happy next uh, season to watch this, watch this boy go all the way. Uh, can you give us a couple of players that we should keep an eye on for next season, guys that are coming back? Yes, sir. Um, I think, you know, as far as defenses, you know, we were top, and I think, man, it'll be crazy. That front, um, you know, there's a uh, Romeo, there's some John down there. You know, they'll be down there. Um, man. You have in the, in the back end. I think you need to just focus on every single DB, you know, because those dudes are amazing back there. I'm telling you, like, I think a lot of focus is on me, but every single one of those DBs back there, 
amazing. Um, we got people returning on offense. You know, I received them for you know, they got injured. You know, Taylor Brown's coming back from injuries. And I think, you know, Brady will come back really strong. You know, he had an off year and he was dealing with injuries, but I think he'll come back strong. But it's going to be a fight for that spot still, I believe, too. You know, because Bryce has a skill. So there have been a lot of good players from the Missouri Valley Conference. Uh, who was the best player you played against in the Missouri Valley Conference? My time, I'd say, man, it was like I had to go back to like my sophomore year. Um, we played uh, South Dakota State. That's when they had Dallas uh, better than um, I can't think of the receiver's name, but those boys, Dallas, yeah, those dudes Dallas Goddard, Dallas Goddard. Yeah, yeah, Goddard, Dallas Goddard. I was about to say Goddard. Um, yeah, and uh, they had Christian was still the quarterback. Dude, yeah, I think the team was really good. They had a lot of athletes. You know, I think that James Robinson has been the best player in the Missouri Valley Conference the last couple of years. Oh, what can you what, what can yeah, you tell me? Like, what what can you tell me about your former sorry, teammate, sorry. Luther? What can you tell me about your former teammate? Yeah, I mean, NBC. I thought you like who I played with. NBC man, listen, James Robinson is a legend. That dude, that man is a machine. Um, I think people really saw it this year because, you know, we kind of had our troubles on offense, but we put the ball in his hands, you know. The majority of the times, man, he led us all the way to the end. Yeah, he certainly did. He's, he, he's it was fun. Game. It was fun to watch. What What do you uh, – yeah. obviously you guys played together at the at the Shrine game. How was that? How was that experience playing man, with him, playing with your teammate there? It was fun, man. Just, you know, having him – you know, going down there with someone that you're already, like, really familiar with, you know, close with, you know, it helps already kind of, you know, shake up your nerves just being down there with big schools and stuff. But, um, man, it, it was fun, you know, just to just to see the process of us, you know, working here and, you know, as a as a path of the draft keeps going, you know, I think it's been amazing. Luther, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Good luck at the, at the Pro Day next week. Yes, sir. I really appreciate you. Uh, thanks a lot, Luther. This was Blitzcast number 98. Uh, Thank you for listening. Take care.